What's up, everyone? This is Hal, and welcome back to another episode of We'd Like to Talk. I am really excited about today's episode. We have a great guest on, and just before we get into the interview, I wanted to give a quick introduction so that you know who we're talking to and what's going on. Our guest today is Geraldine Mayqueva, and we invite her onto our pod to talk about chilling. She is a self-proclaimed chillanthropist and a cannabis queen, and basically a badass community builder within this space. We're excited to talk to her today and to dive into the many different projects that she's involved in and to hear more about her process and how she got involved in the world of cannabis, and also to find out how she stays connected to her community, especially during the times of COVID. So before I take up any more of your ear time, let's get into it and enjoy. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to We'd Like to Talk, uh, hosted by your pals, Hal. And Jamal. And today, we're going to have a really chill podcast. <laughs> we're really excited because we're bringing aboard um, the resident chillanthropist. Oh, shoot. That's right. <laughs> I'm in the building. <laughs> Geraldine Mayqueva. Did I say that correct? Yes. Great pronunciation. With awesome. I'm so, I'm so proud. Thank you. Oh, thank, thank you. you. I practiced. Honestly, I did listen to your podcast first to make sure I knew your name because I just called <laughs> Jamel and I speak about you and we just say oh my jeej so oh you know what oh that's so cute uh, people people do that like i remember one time meeting someone and she was like oh my you're oh my oh my jeej and i was like yeah i am but except she spelled she's pronounced jeej like jeej like it, just was, it was just so off and i was like yeah that oh i love that well that's good that means that you've kind of made a little name or a slash brand of yourself that's catchy and people people aren't intimidated to say it to your face which i think is good yeah it really stemmed from oh my god and then i was just like no oh my jeej oh my gg was taken so on mm. twitter so i was like ah people call me jeej so i was like oh this kind of like works and then it's great became my instagram name i like that Thanks. i remember like so i went or Haley and I both went to the Reynolds School of Journalism oh, here okay. at the University of Reno. Yeah. Um, but they put a huge focus on like branding and being able to be identifiable through your social media and stuff. Right. And people always have problems with my name. And so I changed my username to Jamal Your Pal. Jamal. So that people <laughs> could say my name. But yeah. I put I didn't want to type out your, you know, so I put you are. Yeah. And people were like Jamarple. Jamarple. <laughs> yeah. That's what I thought it was, was Jamarple or Brill or something. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and that was, yeah. I was like, I had my, the screen name I have now was my original one. And after a while I was like, no. And I went back to True Gay Icon and now I'm True Gay Icon. True Gay okay, Icon. Yeah. Bless, <laughs> Isn't bless it so good? True Gay Icon. I love yeah. it. <laughs> I know. I'm envious. Honestly, I wish that that was mine. Yeah, true, yeah, I can't. Maybe I'll make mine true butch icon. Oh, I, love that. I love that. Since you're a pair, dynamic duo. Exactly. We've got butch a kind icon of the true gay icon. We're the yin to the yang, you know? Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> okay, cool. That. So let's let's get back to finishing your introduction so that people know who they oh, shoot. are. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so I'm I'm taking this off of what I've perceived from you on the internet. So please correct me if any of this is incorrect. But what I have cool. is that you're the founder of Art and Times of Chill and the yes. host of a podcast called Amplify Your Chill. Yes. And basically you're just a cannabis queen and a community builder across the community. Yeah, that, that's that definitely what accurate. Yeah, well said. I am the founder of Art and Times of Chill and it's a consulting platform uh, where I you know, help brands build communities, connect with other like-minded brands and drive conscious commerce. And, mm. you know, I think consciousness in our industry has a lot to do with, um, you know, uh, just equity, equity, inclusivity, um, allyship, and being accountable to all those things as we build, you know, the industry from the ground up. And, Word. you know, that really was inspired by a lot of my work over the last couple of years, especially this year with everything that has happened. So that's like my little tagline for Art and Times of Chill. And yes, the podcast like falls under that. And, you know, awesome. Yeah, but all that's me. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, nice of course. Yeah. yeah. The reason we're so excited to talk to you, I mean, besides all the amazing work that you're doing is just, I think that it's cool to see 
from an outsider's perspective, where you put your, your energy and your intention in the cannabis community and throughout your businesses. And you always have a cool perspective. And I, you were one of the first people like in the cannabis world that I started following that was not in our local business or in our local community. Wow. Um, I'm honored. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I feel like you're my friend, even though I don't know you, I feel like I kind of do through DMs, Yeah. Thanks. We're internet friends. Exactly. Know? I have a lot of those. I think I'm just good at making internet friends, but it's cool. It's it is. Cool. I mean, in this year we have no other option really, right? Like mm -hmm. that's just what we got to do. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so if, I would love to hear a little bit more about how you got involved in the cannabis space and like how you got to starting your own business and mm -hmm. all that. Yeah. So, um, wow, that's amazing. Thank you again for having me here. I'm so happy <laughs> to be here and meeting you guys. Yeah, um, so I started in the industry really because I have a background in buying and merchandising. I was in the fashion industry and really focused on retail tech companies when I lived and worked in New York. So the first like 12 years of my career was really just in retail, um, leveraging the internet to create these new experiences when it came to buying and selling things. Um, mm. And so anything from like, you know, people love group buying, like, you know, if you're familiar with uh, flash sale websites like Groupon and the one that I worked at for four years right. was called Ideally. Um, and I really learned how to be a merchant there because you know, when you're selling things at such a deep discount, you really understand the power of brand and the value of a product and the price mm. that people are willing to pay for that, um, given a little sense of push of urgency. So that really taught me about like, you know, how to position brands. Um, and then Ooh. when I left there, I went to a direct to consumer website, a brand called um, Bonobos, which was focused on menswear. And it was around the time where a lot of people were developing brands on the internet and then creating these communities um, online and then realizing there was this massive component where they could grow their business by creating an offline experience. And mm -hmm. I helped them roll that idea out in the form of what we call the guide shop, um, which is kind of like a try before you buy showroom experience so in the likes of like glossier warby parker away luggage like we all yeah. came up at the same time and you know that happened to be the business where i learned a lot about you know cross cross functional teams you know as a merchant i was kind of positioned in the middle as like this product coordinator getting information and things uh, from other teams within the organization and getting that information trickled down to people that were actually working on the ground in these shops. Mm -hmm. So cool. it was a great learning experience for me. And then moving from that, I, I learned a lot about drop shipping. I don't know if people that listen yep. to this understand that, but you know, <laughs> just using that as like a marketing and like really focusing on marketing, but then um, leveraging these like small emerging brands as a collective and uh, creating you know, a story around storyline around their e-commerce experience. And when all that happened, like it was, you know, I was in New York and, you know, they were all startups and ultimately like I got let go once or twice actually, <laughs> and uh, twice actually. And by the second time it happened, I was kind of really shook about it. I was like, right. Up, I was about to turn 30 and part of me was like, Oh my God, I can't keep working for other companies that don't recognize what I'm bringing to the table, like yeah. how hard I'm working. Cause I was just so passionate about retail and uh, you Great. know, I, I just wanted things to be successful. And ultimately that led me to the cannabis industry. I had always been a consumer in New York <laughs> and with friends and enjoying that. And me and my best friend happened to be like fun employed at the same time and we were both trying to figure out our next steps and in the process of like hanging out and smoking um we kind of had this concept of like visualizing what a cannabis brand would look like that spoke to us we were mm. two asian women that grew up on the east coast were inspired by 90s like rap but like had this refined taste for things because of how yeah. our family's culture you know our cultures and you know i'm filipino and she's chinese and just loving like putting that together and we used instagram as that platform to create this mood board of sorts and that really you know while i handled engagement she kind of handled the visual identity of what we were trying to develop mm -hmm. and that's how i be fell into this rabbit hole of like brands emerging on yeah. on instagram that were in the cannabis space so with that 
it really heightened my merchant side. And I was like, wait, these there's brands in Washington that are speaking to women and they're talking about how it's integrated into their lifestyle. And I was like, wait a minute, that means they're gonna need people like me. Like I'm a merchant. <laughs> like I don't I wanna talk about that. I wanna I wanna be the person that's like, you need this. Like you're a stoner and you want things to be nicer, yeah. you know? And yeah, I from there I honestly I just I started consulting. I still had jobs in the in the retail tech space, but I was just indirectly keeping in touch with all these brands and engaging with them on Instagram, like as a super, a true super fan. Like I would be like, yeah. I fucking love that pipe. Or like, <laughs> or like, I love what you're doing. And I think just the authenticity of my enthusiasm really yeah. rang, um, like con- it connected with these brand owners yeah, that were I, just- 100%. We, it is- I feel it. I am like yeah. ready to jump through this screen and hang out with like, uh, what? <laughs> yeah, you know, and I just like, I just, and that became, you know, my gateway to get into the space. And truthfully, like in 2017, I got, I was connected already to this brand um, called Vanderpop out of Washington and, you know, right hand to the founder. Her name is Kieran Wang. You know, she's the founder of Almost Consulting, which you guys probably know a lot of her work yeah. um, in the space. Uh, and you know, she kept me in the loop about what they were up to. And she was like, Hey, I don't know if you're ever going to be in LA, but we're doing this event. And I was like, yo, I'll find a way to get there. Like I'll, I'll just attend. And that was like the beginning of the end. Like I saw what was happening in California and I was like, holy shit, there's this wealth of experience, like this wealth of knowledge and product and experience that I just wanted to be a part of. And then I told my family, I was like, I'm going to move to California because if there's anything that I'm going to bring back to New York when it comes to the cannabis space, I would have to learn from California because, exactly. you know, they just have a wealth of knowledge with the plant from cultivation, legalization, yeah. and historically, right. it's just the culture, cul- historically, culturally, you know, like California really, there's a lot to learn here. And I was like, it's time. And yeah, that's where I've been ever since, like just trying to figure out my place in the space and that's such a cool story. Holy cow. Yeah, thanks. I, I, I just feel so like your story resonates with me very deeply because I had a similar experience where I felt like I was not being valued for my perspective. And I was in fact told a lot of the time that it was like too idealistic or the things that I wanted to pursue were just like unrealistic of the way things work, Mm. but I was never given a reason as to why. Yeah. And it just was not like clear enough. There just wasn't enough, like, I guess, opportunity to gain in Mm. the industries that are more established. It's like less beneficial to be risky and in Canada you have so much less to lose that I really found this place that I could just like say whatever I thought and look at what this company was doing and like really push what I wanted to see from it and I have felt more I've said this like from literally my first week at Blackbird I have felt more like comfortable and at home in this space than any other job I've ever had yeah I think a lot has to do with what you're talking about the cannabis industry the background the culture mm-hmm. and I think that I've also said like anybody who in Blackbird like they're either if they're not on the same page they're in the same chapter yeah and so it's like much less um demanding to be honest like mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and, and and especially when you're writing your own rules in a way yeah. you know and, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people that are challenging us in different ways where it's whether it's you know just like patriarchy or just the system, you know, just system in general is not really set up for people like us that are trying to make change that offers opportunity for everybody. And I just felt like after all the retail experience that I've had, the cannabis space was like the right place for me to find, um, you know, justice for, for like brands and products and ultimately for the plant, you know, and people that I felt like were either mistreated, um, you know, whether it was the war on drugs or just even in their communities, 
not really understanding the value of what cannabis actually brings to exactly. wellness or healthcare. And right. It it felt like to me the first time I was able to actually bring my skills and use my skill set toward my community. Yeah. Like having to somehow siphon resources from the job I had in order to help my community, you know, in my time off or on the weekends. Yeah. Felt like I could directly engage with people who are exactly like me. Mm-hmm. And that didn't exist anywhere else. (laughs) And like, it doesn't. I really think cannabis as an industry is like the conduit for the change that we need in Mm -hmm. the way that we operate as business because it forces the people who know the system to come to the people who know how to circumvent the system because they're inherently trying to like get rid of it. They're trying to dismantle it. And the people who know how to work around it the best the ones who have had to do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that really resonates with me because I just read about the MORE Act that was just passed. Yeah. And, you know, is going to go to the House. And, you know, it's great in, in the to grand the scheme. Of the, yeah, to the Senate. It's, it's great in the grand scheme of things. But then, you know, it really makes you think about the people that have been doing the work from the ground level that, like, if they're not involved in that conversation at that at that government level, then it it's like they're co-opting their work as yeah. their own. And exactly. it's like, there's these people that have been in the trenches all day long advocating in their cities. And it's like, this is the time for you guys to give them the platform to yep. tell you what it's really like to create you know, equitable systems and opportunity for what you're saying is going to be, you know, exactly. and I, I threw up the air quotes because I know this yeah. is a podcast, right. but, like, you know, yeah. <laughs> but like, I just, like, I was like excited to read it, but then I was like, oh, like, are yeah. you guys really going to give opportunity the way that it's deserved? Exactly. And it's like when, um, for like, you know, during the election, there was like seven states that legalized marijuana in some respect, whether it's adult use or medicinal. And for example, New Jersey, which is such a pivotal part of the East Coast cannabis, um, you know, like just East Coast cannabis in general, like there was just no mention of social equity in the in yeah. in the program at all and you know can occlusive put together this like petition that was trying to get signatures to be like you need to amend this like it needs to start from the start you know yeah. by the time it's 2021 people need to be aware and it's crazy because you know i've gotten to the point where my family my immigrant family who are you know from the philippines can respect what i do and can like make the conscious effort to like let me know that they made like they checked yes like you know for yeah. that and i remember my mom calling me on election day saying like i think it's going to happen for you for you in oh. new jersey like you know like yeah it's happening for you yeah. and i was like really happy <laughs> that she yeah. uh yeah you know like she recognized that about um about how meaningful that was for me and like for the industry yeah. you know but at the same time it's like you know people like her or anybody else even below her age gap they don't know that you know that influence that new jersey has with even its communities you know there are tons of black and black communities black and brown communities that are underserved and still to this day affected negatively because of what Mm -hmm. happened um during the war on drugs and they're still dealing with that exactly you know and then that's going to trickle into new york and connecticut and the tri-state area where i mean new york alone is such a huge part of the cannabis consumption there's like some insane stat about how new york city alone the amount of cannabis they consume that's on the non-legal market you know yeah i would love to know more about that yeah (laughs) and it's just you know these are the the things that with the more act, like I think with that hitting media like crazy, it's like, well, let's talk about the players. Exactly. Like, you exactly. know, I, we can name right. a bunch 100%. of them. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's what's that's what's really hard too, because you know we talked about like how I got in, but then trying to find my way to like refine what I offer took like the three and a half years that I was like, you know, just immersed in it to realize like, okay. Like, yes, my job is to support destigmatization through mm-hmm. collectively creating these groups or communities of brands that I work with specifically where they have like whatever pillars that I, I assume they, you know, I work with them to um, amplify, whether it's like, you know, this integrity with their product 
and the quality of it and you know the origin of their brands and who's behind it and even just the way that they care about they give yeah. back and yeah, their values and their values and i feel like that has means so much more to me now because of what i have experienced that has been negative or like almost like lying you know about their their interests in the cannabis industry and the people that are um you know that are are building it and almost like getting their you know they're just like trying to sell off their backs without giving them that respect that they deserve and i had experienced that firsthand and i just do not I just can't stand for that. You know, like yeah. I don't want to make money like that. Like it just, right. I'm not, I'm not hunger, hungry for it in that way. I'd rather make um, more of a social impact that is like truthful right. and really highlights people that are like, I hate to say it, but like slaving away at what they really believe in. Yeah. And it, it, it helped me find out what I really believe in too. And hold the people that I work with accountable, which is hard. It's, it's right. Cause at the end of the day, it is business and we live in a society that values that. And this industry is so tied to this idea that it, we can cr- generate so much money off of it and from it, mm-hmm. but losing sight of like what it really means. Like it's medicine. Right. <laughs> you know, right. Get back to the wellness. plants roots and like yeah. the people. And that's that, why I think like you bring up a really important point. You said it at the beginning as well about accountability. And that's what I'm finding is like a very difficult thing for many people to grapple with both personally and like when being held accountable publicly, like how companies have to go through. Mm-hmm. And I think that that continues to be this barrier because I, I grew up, I am half white and half Palestinian and Mm -hmm. I grew up in rural Nevada. So I was very aware of like systemic oppression. And at the same time, I thought I was white and I just called myself white until I was about 20 something and it shifted. Yeah. And when it shifted is when I realized that my experience and the struggles that I had and the barriers that I was facing were more similar to other people of color Mm -hmm. than to my white counterparts. Right, right. And I think that people, when they hear that, they feel personally attacked, that like they feel somehow distanced from me. Right. That's not what it is at all. It's like an acknowledgement that it's negative and we need to like work together through it right and I think like that's accountability you know just I'm not asking for people to like to feel sorry for me to cry for me or whatever I'm asking for people to acknowledge that that is my experience and that it is made worse and more difficult by the same things that enable their behavior to continue right and that and you know to your to what you're saying like you know that's what I've learned is like being like a strong ally for for you as a white man technically like by your face yeah. and skin like you being able to advocate for people of color that you recognize their struggle um and yes it is rooted in what you might be struggling with as well but like it is important for someone like you to say that to people exactly. that look like you because they don't yeah. understand because right. they've been also white passing in privilege and it's just not okay. And nobody challenges the system in that way where, you know, like where white allies could actually, you know, like, cause they didn't, some people just didn't know they're unaware. And then there's some people like you that created, found that awareness and want to use that to create actual change. And that's what, you know, I respect that. I think like we need more people like you that will be willing to speak on that because it is uncomfortable and it but it's like it only makes a difference if like you because it yeah you know you've got to start from someone that, yeah. that's got a, a genuine experience and who can speak to the experience and that's what you have yeah and that, mm-hmm. to your point is that it has to resonate and i think that that has been my experience you know for the most of my 20s i have like had to unlearn a lot of my whiteness and now it's coming back full circle because at the same time I um, have been, um, I, on my mother's side, I have a relative in every American war since the revolution. You know, wow, we trace wow. the image back to like that era. And I, so I live as both like a colonized person and a colonizer. Yeah, and then seeing wow. the similarities between the experience of colonized people here in America and the experience of my family in, in the West Bank. And like, mm-hmm. I, the majority of my family is still in the occupied West Bank. And yeah. like, it is very, 
Right. It has that. And so I have struggled because I still feel like the same level of fear, really, that all marginalized people feel when they have to face those things. And at the same time, you're right, because being raised a white male, I also was taught that it should not be like this. Yeah. <laughs> now I can do whatever I set my mind to. And exactly. So that's and that's... A, yeah. And, and I, yeah. I hope that I am able to provide people a space where they can feel comfortable enough to share their own experiences and that we slowly build our community skill set to be able to navigate these situations. Yeah, it, it's, it's <laughs> insane. And that's why, like, you know, I think now more than ever, it's so important to be able to give people the opportunities to speak on those things because everyone's experience is valid. Everyone's existence is valid, but it's just all the systems are in place for white people to thrive and for mm-hmm. people of color and you know m- like uh, people of color and anyone that doesn't really fall under white like right. to have to not only struggle or work 10 times harder you know right. and i feel like and that's fine we're all willing to do that work and but it, at the same time it's like why is it harder for us like that's right. not like that's yeah. the system and like right. that radical like you know, my friend, she considers herself like an abolitionist, like educator. Cool. And I didn't, I'm very new to like, you know, this like advocacy, like terminology and words, you know, because myself as well, like, you know, as an Asian person, there are opportunities where like, I felt like I was either white passing or I was a a tokenized as an Asian in the room and a woman, you know, so it's, it's, it's important for us to be able to harness our voices wherever we can and bring light to it. And, uh, you know, all, all I can do, I realize instead of get more and more frustrated because it's an endless like spiraling of getting upset about it is just to keep having the right conversations. Um, right. cause either way they're going to be hard right. and either yeah. way, like there's going to be something that I have to learn and unlearn. And I right. feel like that's the story for everyone this year. And if yeah. we, don't accept that it's going to be 10 times harder to fight for one another you know so absolutely yeah are you wanting the same great smoke that you're familiar with at an affordable and convenient price (laughs) have you tried old pals vape cartridges Old Pal is renowned for their wonderful shareable flower that comes at very affordable prices. But did you know that they also make vape cartridges that are available locally here in Nevada? Sorry. I'm like, <laughs> damn, I didn't know that. <laughs> you can order one online. Head to blackbirdgo.com and find a retailer carrying Old Pal vape cartridges near you. for me personally, you know, like what drives me in this space is that, you know, never in my wildest dreams did I think that I could marry like all the things that I love to learn about into an opportunity where like I can consider it work or a career. Exactly. It blows my mind every day. I'm like, (laughs) what? That's it. That's the same thing. You know, part of like, you know, for this collaboration of a podcast, like I'm able to express who I am honestly as honest as I can you know for the day and like (laughs) meet people that I can build like a connection and relationship with and it just the the industry is like it shows me how much like you know relation relationship based services and collaborate it's all about that when it comes to collaborations and actually you know at the end of the day like building community and i feel like if we can't create those safe spaces right we we make it so much harder for all of us right and it makes the people at the top just keep like earning more than all of us and then like not hearing about what we need you know right i just feel like it it's important like you know with the election that happened this year 
And I never get to talk like this, so I appreciate being able to use this space to talk. Yeah, let it rip. You know, so like, and I'm also like a little high now, so I'm like, okay, now my brain is like, so I'm like, like. I'm out here. I am like ready. Hey, hey, hey. Let's talk politics, baby. Yeah, and I'm not, and like you know, I used to be one of those people that was like, oh my god, I'm just not political and whatever. But I'm like, yo, life is politics as usual. Like it is straight up politics like it's exactly. like if we don't get involved in each other's lives and care wholeheartedly about helping somebody else out how do you feel good exactly. about doing better than somebody else that's right. literally suffering that had no opportunity or support or is like you know rattled with addiction or no right. family like that shit is fucking hard like exactly. it's like you know, if, but if we care, you know, like just a little bit more about giving back and putting that consciousness into like the way we do things, we can actually work together. We can all have differences and we can all, and it's good to have that. I think like communities should be able to celebrate that. That's what makes yep. them safe when it's all the differences are able to just be able to like shine and even yeah, though exist together of, and support yeah, each other exactly and i just feel like it's so frustrating when like i have to have a call i mean it's like i'm willing to have these combos because i know they need to be had and it's given me like strength to be able to have them in this industry but like to have to go to the table and be like this looks too white yeah, yeah. like this is white like <laughs> like you know like i don't want to tell you guys this yeah but this shit is fucking white it doesn't represent exactly me. it yeah. doesn't represent the people we want to buy the product like it's whack and yeah. like i feel like i was a little timid at first like i'd beat around the bush and i'm like no i need to just be able to say that now and now it's like i don't like my statements i might make on my instagram or explain or the way that i do my work like I want that to be known. Like these are my pillars. And like, I think, you know, if I'm going to work with other people, I expect them to also understand that this is where I'm at. So if you're not comfortable with me potentially bringing that to light to you, then you're doing both of us a disservice yeah, by not exactly. hearing me about exactly. it. And I feel Boom. like I've had to end, you know, relationships and like leave them because I felt, you know, that that wasn't, and it, and you know, and, and that's fine for them, but like I just, it's better to be transparent about it and either yeah. actually work together to break it down right. and create openings, or you know, it's just gonna. I be think you're dead on, shit. and I think that I think what's exciting about the cannabis industry for me is at least in my experience and my jobs, it's yeah. the only industry I've worked in where these kind of conversations are happening almost daily at every, at least in our business, in our community, I feel like it is constant. Almost everyone who I follow on Instagram that's in the cannabis space is starting to really have these conversations. Yeah. And that's so cool. And it feels like it's embedded in the culture of being in the cannabis industry. Yeah. Now, obviously wow. there's outliers. There's obviously outliers. And, right. <laughs> but I do feel like more than anything I've ever done, it's, it's embedded into the core of like what people care about when you work in the cannabis industry. And yeah, I think it's really I special. I, I, yeah, and I'm really glad that you said that because hopefully it'll inspire and empower others to remember that this yeah. is a responsibility we have, you know? And it's like, yo, I hate being responsible like any other adult. Like, I just like, <laughs> like, I wear tie-dye. Like, I, you know, like, but I'm professional, you know? So it's right. like, I, and, but it's like, you know, I, I want people to understand that. Like, you know, a big reason. So I don't know if you guys have been on um, sessions. Like it's, this I'm so thing. glad you brought this up. I was just going to ask you about sessions. <laughs> yeah. So, cause what you said, Haley, like, I feel like that really resonated to why we're, you know, we're doing sessions. And, um, in March, I was supposed to collaborate with another cannabis um, consultant and agency called Limone Creative. And mm -hmm. it's my friend, Bianca Monica, who's the founder. Um, but you know, that pop-up we were going to do together, it got canceled because of COVID and she came to me via text and we have the screenshot, which is like so funny to see, but she's like, hey, should we host a virtual smoking session? And I was like, yeah, I'm down. And, it, and she was like, how? And I was like, I don't know, Skype, Zoom? You know, like I, I was just like, let's do it. Like, let, and literally like this little idea we had turned into this thing that people found like solace in during like the, during COVID. I mean, for me, yeah. it was like a great like support group. We got to yeah. like, do different, 
meet different people. I used to, I got to develop relationships with people that I'd been collaborators with and got to know what their life was like. And it's then awesome. by yeah, and then I, by June, I joined, I joined one session. Sorry to cut. I, yeah, like, no. I, um, Haley sent me a link and we were going to join. And then I think I ended up like, we're, I don't know. I came in the middle of it and yeah. I just was like, <laughs> wow, I, it was amazing. I felt yeah, like so cool. it was a, a really interesting experience. And what I loved is that there were so many people from different perspectives who also, you know, some were involved in the industry, some weren't at all. Yeah, right. I also like, so I love to talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I clearly, I feel like, like, I feel you. I have to be like, Jamal, do not be the girl who comes in 20 minutes late and is like, <clears throat> yeah, so. <laughs> like, it's not cute. And especially people who don't know me, they're like, who the hell is this white man just like talking all the time? Right, right. Everyone I at mean, Blackbird's used to it. I probably would have felt that way, honestly. I'd be like, yeah, hey, who is this? Like, but like, have some respect for the others yeah. in the room that came in on time. Exactly. Well, but it was such an interesting experience because there were so many people and I started looking at the other people and I was like, I am literally one of maybe five people who, who I would, I, you know, say are male or who look male. And I'm going to take a moment to realize, like, I am, I have all these outlets that I get to talk about weed and all of this and like social equity and whatever. I'm going to sit here and listen. And like that moment has stuck in my mind because of my personality and the way that I move through life in general and i think like it was really the community you brought together the way that you hosted and really provided um it took me a minute to realize there were speakers right i think that that was the beauty of it is like so many people were sharing and it felt so conversational exactly like this podcast is but it was at the same time very structured in a way that was in so informative yeah thank you i mean it really has uh I'm so like happy to collaborate with Bianca on it because this is our first like col collab um, where we were working on something together, but it really ended up, you know, becoming something that like met, had meaning, you know, like I thought it was something to do, you know, during those hours, 420, twice a week, you know, meet the same people online. But no, it really added so much more value than I expected. It actually made me see how valuable creating spaces like that. Yeah you know, mean, you know, like my rant that I just went on, like about politics in communities, like that's just a natural thing. And like sessions is a space where we talk about the politics and cannabis right. and try to give you expertise help on like hearing from people that have the, that experience or a perspective that might be different to yours that can influence and impact yeah. your work. Like this is, we should be listening to each other here. And like, it's crazy that, you know, like we've been able to find a way to make it meaningful in that way but it's like people still have to show up like we're right. having this issue now where we're like damn why can't more people come you know like what, what yeah. how do we do this you know like how do we like leverage clearly both of us have such different relationships with people in the industry and it's been great yeah. to bring them together but it also presents an issue of like hey guys like come on we're we're, we're bringing we're putting this together for you show right. up it's free show up to a real conversation that's like an hour and a half long and you can even have like an opportunity to ask a question like right. <laughs> well I've, i see a beautiful opportunity right here um let's give it a, the biggest plug we can give it do you have any yeah. upcoming sessions yeah so you know we're gonna have one on the 15th and then probably something on the 17th yeah awesome so uh you know stay tuned i mean it's on instagram at s-e-s-h dot i-n-s sessions and uh yeah you know like i think in the community or in the grand scheme of things like that's the first step even to like we talked about earlier like allyship and accountability like you can't be accountable if you don't show up and i feel like i personally have learned that yeah. by experience <laughs> right. so uh it's like well, showing up is like the first and the biggest step, right? You know, to talk about my podcast a little bit, like it's just a place where I wanted to have a conversation that I felt mattered, like that I would want to have a conversation over and over about, right? And for me, like I identify chill as your positive well-being, like being able to be like your higher self and 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 live with awareness and understanding and excel. And I wanted to talk about how people manage that because that includes so many elements of like mental health, um, right. joy, 
like emotional like strength and 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 relationships you know and and i feel like through doing that i was like oh my god i need to speak up more about the things that i'm connecting that i want people to have a conversation with me about you know because i am also very like i want to hear from others but i also don't know a lot of stuff i'm never gonna know things and like to to even understand like man like um, I'm in this industry. I'm finding all these great products. I'm helping them. We're driving sales, whatever. And it's all incredible, but it's like, oh my God, to have to stop and be like, wait, what else are we trying to, what is our intention to exist as a business right. here? Right. Being able to incorporate social good, not as an ancillary thing, but something that is just like, it has to be a foundation of every business in some way, giving right. back. I think like, yeah, why not? I love celebrating people in that way. I love telling stories and I love to talk about chill. So I created Amplify Your Chill as in the podcast format. And in its first season, I say, I, in its first season, it's, it's dedicated to New York. And, um, you know, I say that in, you know, we, when, when you amplify your chill, it, it, we, the podcast explores all the ways we make chill. And my best friend, Jen Sang, so shout out to Jen. She (laughs) had said like at one point, you know, in the same ways we make love and we make war, we make chill. And it just like, like, it just reverberated to me. And I was like, (laughs) oh my God. And it, it became like this mission of mine to make sense of this phrase. And I was like, oh my God, this can be what I bring into the podcast. Like, it's just make chill. Like I wanted to learn about how, my guests make chill. And I thought, what a great opportunity then to kind of go back to my roots. And, you know, my identity as a New Yorker is really like deep within me. You know, I was born in Brooklyn and raised Mm -hmm. mostly in New Jersey, but I have such deep memories of being in Brooklyn and living there and it being a part of my life as a young adult. Um, And, you know, it just, I ended up kind of conceptualizing it quickly and I was like all right well I want to create seasons and the first season I think is you know it's it's meant to uh inspire people living in like you know the greatest city that there is but in a place of no chill you know like no there's no energy like New York and it's extremely hard to live there and I thought that that would resonate kind of in the same way that there's endless humans of New York um stories and just touches on all the things I really I love talking about you know just understanding you know, more sides of mental health, more ways to like find positivity, you know, more inspiration to live with intention and um, more ways to define chill. (laughs) Like I, I love it. I wonder if you want to be my personal coach. Something I've talked about a lot on here is I get, I mean, I'm pretty quiet today, which I think, I don't know what's going on, but usually (laughs) on this podcast, I am like, I don't know. I get kind of amplified i don't get chill when i smoke weed to the point where i'm like buzzing around like a crazy person and it's a really big desire of mine to be someone that smokes weed and is like actually chill (laughs) it's so funny because my girlfriend and i smoke weed together like every night and she is like you know your stereotypical kind of like deep thinker like in the couch like in her mind and i am like running around the house dancing singing it doesn't matter what time of day i feel like it just turns every vibration in my body up to i get it i get me too (laughs) (laughs) and so i'm like constantly in pursuit of chilling out (laughs) so if if you're looking to do some personal coaching i'm (laughs) thank you no i would like you know i would love that that would be such a great like you know, complimentary service I can provide. Uh, yeah, amplifier it's good with your consulting, podcast. chill yeah, consulting. Exactly. <laughs> How can I consult you in managing your chill, making chill? For me, and like chill, I feel like I found it, even though for me personally, it's rooted in like my cannabis consumption. Like I didn't know that I was almost like self-medicating, like balancing myself mm-hmm. um, through using cannabis. But, you know, the connectivity and like awareness that I built for myself through that I mean it made me feel chill so in this like crazy way I'm I actually really really resonate with that because I feel like overall I do like I said still feel really hyped up sometimes when I'm actually pretty high but overall I feel (laughs) my whole life has like mellowed out my state of mind even during 2020 feels like way better than I can I if this happened in 2018 I probably wouldn't have made it through the year (laughs) so like I think I have weed to thank for that I know Uh, yeah crazy I know 
Okay, so to to finish our conversation, I want to yeah. ask you, Mayor of Chill, what have you <laughs> been it. doing personally in your life this during quarantine has started to not only stay chill, but to also feel connected with yourself and your values and your community? Like, what have you been prioritizing? Um, I definitely have prior, been prioritizing trying to, like, move my body, you know, like, I hadn't been really, even though I was moving around a lot, like the last couple of years, I definitely wasn't like making time to exercise. I wasn't like clearing my mind and refreshing it. You know, I, I was just busy, honestly. And yeah. that's, I used to take pride in it, but now it's like, no, I take so much more pride in being able to rest. And yeah. I just wasn't resting properly. And had it not been for COVID really, I don't know if I would have survived the year like physically and mentally because yeah. I realized in the beginning of the year, I was really worn down and exhausted. I was like emotionally exhausted. I was physically exhausted, mentally yeah. just like strained um, and like probably just like heading towards um, just like a negative spiral, like, you know, and but wanting to push myself so bad because I was like getting opportunities and I realized if I didn't like slow down and really revisit my values, like I don't really think they were really defined prior to COVID. Right. Like I did, but the connect, like my connectivity with it um, mm -hmm. didn't really exist. So, you know, I think that held me back a little bit, but I think with everything, I took the timing to integrate real parts of wellness into my life. Like doing yoga when I was in, I spent most of my summer on the East coast. So every weekend I was at a bike protest, like biking around New York. And awesome. I miss that so much like about yeah. the city um, because I got to know the city so well on a bike and, you mm -hmm. know, and then it made me feel a sense of community being there in New York, being with all these protesters reminding me like, Oh my God, like you still got to get the word out. You know, like just even thinking about it like that as a marketer, like, oh my God, we're in these areas where people just, they're still angry. They're throwing stuff at us and it's like, right. no, you know? So there's been a lot of moments of no chill and a lot of moments of trying to figure out how to be chill. And, yeah. and really, um, it like being able to figure out how to breathe better, like through yoga and yeah. just stretching, like, through this whole video, I've been like stretching because I love to stretch when I smoke. Same. But, and I've noticed you've been doing it. And I'm so yeah. glad because I've had to give disclaimers to every meeting I've been <laughs> in for the last couple of weeks because I stand up and do a whole routine stretching. Yeah. You just gotta <laughs> like, you know, like I just feel like it's such a great part of smoking weed is it you really know, is. Is being able to like stretch through that. And it's like, you know, you have all that energy and power in your body, but you just have to like move it yourself and like yeah. you know i think like being able to push it out and like ugh, it just i don't know it feels good so that's totally. a big part of it i've been doing little dance breaks mm -hmm. which i started my day off today with a dance break i don't usually start the day with one but i was like damn i need to do that every day because it really puts me in a good mood my body feels yeah. up and ready for the ready for my day of sitting <laughs> right no i know and that's yeah that's another thing too is just like you know, being able to stretch and move my body and like not see it as like, see it as time where I was like revitalizing and re and like nourishing my body, you know, like just even when you were saying yeah. dancing, I was like, yeah, I always do that in my house too. Somehow yeah. I'll just be like, Oh, Oh my gosh. <laughs> like I'll just start <laughs> dancing out of, out of my desk and just have it. to, you just have to. I love it. Well, this has been an excellent chat and so cool to finally oh God, actually thanks. have a conversation with you. Likewise. Well, as close to face-to-face -to -face as we can get in 2020. I know. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, but let's uh, stay connected. And why don't you take one last opportunity to plug all of your different things? Oh, my God. Thank you. Um, yes, thank you guys so much for having me. Um, you can find me on Instagram, oh my G-H-H, -H -H -H, two H's, M-Y-G-E-E-G. -E -E um, again, I'm the founder of Art and Times of Chill, which is also on Instagram literally spelled out art and times of chill. <laughs> and I have a podcast called Amplifier Chill and it will inspire you hopefully to find ways to maintain your best life and, you know, create opportunity for you to revisit your positive well-being and what that means. And I want to celebrate all of you guys here for hosting such a great, insightful, like mind-bending conversation. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to be like a little scared when I hear it myself fucking going on a rant. 
but I appreciate that's, it. That's how I feel every week. I I'm know. Like, it's always a scary transition into yeah. the editing. It's like, what did we say? Yeah, exactly. And I, I'm like, oh my God. But, you know, it was as honest as I could be. So thank we you. Really I really, you, you know, we appreciate the honesty and the just letting it flow, I think, is totally. where the magic comes from. So thank yeah. you for being vulnerable yeah. and sharing with us. Thank you, um, and thanks to the point. Yeah, right. I just wanted to quickly shout out, it has been such an afternoon delight. Nice. You're looking for. Oh, here we go with the info. Oh. <laughs> oh, damn. Oh, yeah, we forgot to ask oh, what yeah, you're what are smoking. You smoking. Oh, God. Oh, A I huge was segment. <laughs> I actually was smoking permanent holiday flower oh. called and it was a gelato strain nice yeah and then it's uh-huh. like wrapped in my like Edie parker or Edie flower yeah i recognize yeah the like the papers oh my so god i just ashed all over all oh, over no. my laptop oh, god damn no. <laughs> oopsies um, but yeah <laughs> I, bad. I was smoking on um afternoon or it was Desert Grown Farms Afternoon Delight. Mm. I got I got it from Rise Spanish Springs. Mm. It's like a nice healthy amount of weed you got there. I know. I you like, know, I I'm nice. an ounce a week kind of girl. So I damn just, ounce a week, color. Yeah, damn. Good for you. Oh, that's, yeah. that's a lot of weed. Damn, that's a lot of weed. And because of that, I need. I don't even to smoke buy. that often. <laughs> You know, like I don't even smoke that much because I'll make the joint and I'll like smoke a little here and there and just like a little, you know, microdose situation day by day, but not every day sometimes. Just as also, I think something to be aware of is like, like my awareness with how much I consume the plant. Like I I started to realize like, okay, I really want to be conscious about Mm -hmm. how much I'm doing it, you know, also because I don't want to lose sight of... uh, Oh, she'll teach you a lesson. Yeah, like just lose sight of just like how my brain's working without it, you know. Right. I, I, yeah, I went through that. Yeah. So, what are you smoking? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm smoking horchata from Serene still. Um, the nice hybrid strain. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, I love horchata, both the drink and the weed. I love the drink. Mm. I could drink that every day if I could. Well, I used to, and then. Found out I was lactose intolerant. And oh, now shit. I can't, can't handle it at all. That's awesome and sucky. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so the weed will do. Yeah, seriously. Um, okay. Uh, all right, guys. Yeah, thank you so much. I did want to also say that if anybody is also just as passionate as Geraldine and myself and, and Haley about social equity and about making the cannabis equity or cannabis industry equitable um it's important to pay attention and to get involved and i would will plug our merch line our be good people um help good people shop it is we still have shirts um and hats that are for sale and the proceeds (laughs) go directly to the last prisoner project um just a few i think it was last week or the week before um, they announced that the longest or the person who has been incarcerated the longest for um, for cannabis, a nonviolent cannabis crime was released. And in, in, I mean, unfortunately, it was due to COVID, but that was um, in part to the resources available to the Last Prisoner Project. There's still 40,000 people that are serving in jail for wow. um, cannabis across the United States. And so... Mm-hmm. While the MORE Act can change that, those people will need jobs and those people will need access to building communities and resources. And that's what Last Prisoner Project really helps with. So yeah. all of the resources we can get them are great. And it's a great entry point into cannabis advocacy and really kind of understanding um, where I believe the focus should be, which are the people who are still in the kind of grind of the system that that produced all this. So that was my part for that. Yeah, no, thank you for plugging. All right. Thank you guys. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's been so fun chatting with you. Yeah, likewise. (laughs) Chatted a lot. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. See you guys.